This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. You can't use the MLK I Have a Dream speech unless you also show your students (laughs) the speech that he gave later in his life where he, like MLK, essentially speaks out against that speech. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So today's essential question is, how can you move your work with Black History Month out of whitewashed ideals and into a less basic space? You, guys, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. Me too. (laughs) Um, Simply because of the fact that this time of the year is such an interesting time for, I think, everybody, all educators, like no matter what race, what cultural background, it's a very interesting time because it's kind of um, looked upon and I think in a kind of a loaded way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so one of my favorite things is watching um, Twitter and especially Black Edge Twitter kind of come out with some really, really poignant things at this time of year. And so I want to start this episode off with uh, a tweet from Shana White. And she posted, my prayer on January 31st is that God please help us not to experience any white, spelt Y-T, nonsense during Black History Month 2021 in schools. Amen. And I feel like that really sums up um, a lot of educators of color, specifically Black educators of color, Black educators, I'm sorry, um, at this time of month. Exactly. And I think that this conversation is so um, poignant right now in 2021 after the year of 2020, right? I think that there are so many more people that are moving into this not racist space or moving from this not racist space into the anti-racism space. And um, there's been such a light shown on what is that and what does that mean? And so I think that there are going to be a lot of white educators that are moving into their first Black History Month Mm -hmm. with an anti-racist frame. And I do, I hope that there are not problematic things happening. I hope that there are, well, I shouldn't say, because obviously I hope that that's not happening. I hope there's less problematic things happening this Black History Month. I hope that there is less... um, I, I hope that there is white less nonsense. White, white nonsense, um, just white nonsense. I, I really do. I hope that that white people do better um, this 2021. So why do you think it's so important that in 2021 we're looking at this a bit differently? I think that, honestly, I, I think the theme of 2020 and um, – this movement into being anti-racist also was this movement into decentering whiteness in everything mm. that we do. And so that when it comes to race is decentering white comfort. 
And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that Black History Month has oftentimes been all about centering white comfort. Um, and so I think that that is a really significant and important change that has to happen, that, that white people have to stop trying to center white comfort during this month because it's not about your comfort. It's not about what you like feel at all. So yeah, I think that that's, that's how, at least for myself, like that the recognition and celebration of Black History Month um, has changed for me this year. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not about centering whiteness. It's not about how white people feel. Like I keep thinking, I just want to have this like running loop in the back of white people's minds. I mean, like, listen, not just the month of February. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> just right. All yeah, the time true. is like, it's not Rainbow. about you. And that's a good thing. Like, oh, it's not about yep. you. And that's a good thing. That's not about you. And it's a good thing. Like, I just, yeah. I wish that, um, all white people could have that little like reminder constantly. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a, there's a little bit of like a, um, was it, I'm really bad at metaphors at times, like rubber hits the road situation now. Right. So you've had all summer, you read stamped, you read white fragility, you read how mm-hmm. to be anti-racist. You read, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, beloved for the first time, like whatever. Right. Like you did yeah. your, your book list. You read cast. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Um, and and shout out, we're reading cast, basic. Okay, <laughs> make sure read those basic. <laughs> but also, right? So you've done all that, and then the reality is like, what are you doing with that? And I, I guess I, I we've talked a lot on the show about like incremental change, and that everybody's on a journey, and progress um, can be incremental. At the same time, like, is there momentum to move forward? And so this mm-hmm. is kind of a, an interesting time of year to say like. almost like a check-in, like, hey, what are you doing in terms of fighting biases in your life? What are you doing in terms of decolonizing your your instruction, um, your bookshelf? Like, who are you, Mm -hmm. beyond who are you reading, but also like what kinds of actions are you taking and how is it actually changing the way that you live, the way that you talk at home with your family over dinner, the way you um, parent your kids, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. And, um, And so I'm curious, what, do you have anything planned for this Black History Month that's new for you? Do you like that you've had, that you haven't done before and that you are intentionally like stepping into that space for yourself? Yeah, um, I do. Actually, before we get there, one of the things I wanted to make a quick comment about is I feel like prior to this year, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I've been teaching for 15 years, but it seems like people kind of lump in like MLK Day and Black History Month, is that my imagination? It's, it's like, not. okay, we had our MLK Day a celebration. Maybe we have like a diversity um, assembly. And then it's like Black History Month. Here's some quotes for with like Rosa Park and more Dr. King. Oh my God. And so maybe like who else is sprinkled many. in there? Like a few other folks that are sprinkled so in there. Many, hidden like, figures beautiful. is sprinkled in. Yeah. Oh, hidden figures. Teachers. <laughs> Which I love teachers. hidden figures. Yes. But and so <laughs> as a I, white woman, I do love hidden figures. Yes. And I think what has been um, like a powerful thing for me is there's this um, man, black man named Garrison Hayes that I Mm. follow on TikTok. And he really emphasizes um, just really like beautifully this desire for white people to, um, like I said, center white comfort in the way that 
um, they engage with Black History Month and the way that they engage with the United States history when it comes mm-hmm. to race. And it's very whitewashed. And he makes the claim, like, you can't use the MLK I Have a Dream speech unless you also show your students <laughs> the speech that he gave later in his life where he, like, MLK essentially speaks out against that speech right he he became um angry and frustrated with it and he um I just I think that you as an educator you cannot use MLK quotes unless you are also teaching the other side of the reality of what his life was because man Martin Luther King has been so whitewashed in society because it makes white people feel more comfortable about um, the history of race in our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and so thinking about what does that mean in terms of what what does that mean in terms of the choices that you make at this time of year, curriculum wise or in your school and so on? And you asked me, you know, what am I doing differently this year? So one thing, full disclosure, um, and I try to be really honest on the show is I would say def- I, like I didn't grow up in the U.S. And so even like the thinking about how that's celebrated in school. And it wasn't until I started working in public schools where I started seeing, you know, what I was talking about earlier in terms of lumping it in with Dr. You know, MLK Day uh-huh. and just a few other things kind of smashed together. And usually, you know, there's an assembly or like I think about some of my own practices and my own work is like trying to figure out how to support what the school is doing. And one of the things I've always tried to do is like try to include as many um, voices from people of color in my curriculum. But every year I challenge myself to do that more. And then of course, specifically like, we want to make sure we're including voices of black people, right? Writers mm-hmm. and um, politicians and scientists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, now years later, right? So um, I've done some curriculum work uh, with advisory around that in, in some of the schools that I've been in, uh, thanks to the help of Val Brown um, and her work and just being able to compare. Because one of the things that I think that's important to talk about today is the way that we also approach Black history in terms of curriculum and the activities that we do, there's a really strong bent on like the suffering of Black people, right? Mm-hmm. And so one, a couple of things I've been reading um, in the last few years have really just talked about, yes, talking about the struggle and, and Black history is American history and being honest about those things and black excellence mm-hmm. and black joy and, 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 and. So you cannot just say, oh, this thing happened or this negative um, uh, slavery happened, which is awful, right? And But then just staying mm-hmm. there and, and never talking about the full picture um, in terms of, like I was saying earlier, beautiful, wonderful writing, um, artists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that represents actual more of a, a holistic uh, black experience or black American experience, I would yeah. say. Yeah. I um, have been thinking a lot about that as well. And I think um, it makes me think of, I I believe previously on the podcast, I've talked about how we are taught that there is a villain victim and a hero in every story. Um, And white people have been taught our whole lives that we are the heroes of every story, right? That that white people in historical stories, they are the hero or they are the victim, right? And um, I think that that's the move is that, 
Like white people have to move into a space where they are comfortable with the fact that they have been the villain in many cases, um, in almost all of these cases, and they have been the villains to Still the are. BIPOC experience <laughs> for yeah. centuries. Yeah. Yeah. And that, um, but also black people have been the heroes of many, yes. many stories. Yes. And we have um, erased those stories from our retelling of history and, and they exist and they're powerful. And it is so important that people Mm -hmm. see those and hear those Mm -hmm. stories because it begins to shape our narrative of how we see the world, right? That if we are constantly, if, if black people, people, are only ever villains and victims and never get to be the heroes, the narrative that 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 creates for our society is so damaging Mm -hmm. that, that it's as though it's just not possible for them to be the heroes. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And so I just, I think that I love what you said, right? That we have to focus on black excellence as well during Black History Month. We have to start to tell those stories and not just during Black History Month. We have to tell those stories all year long. It needs to be incorporated into our curriculum. Black history is U.S. history. That, that, That needs to be a part of our curriculum. And I can tell you, Hope and I can both tell you as teachers, that is not built into curriculum that is given to us. Just she's given real big thumbs downs right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. nope, it's not. not built in. And so, if in order for it to exist in the curriculum that is taught to students, teachers have to actively fit it in in between the things that are being told we have to teach. Yeah, that somebody else prioritized. That somebody else said this is what's the most important thing to cover. Um, I think we have to resist that. Uh-huh. And we have to say, actually, this other thing is is more important or find ways to integrate that in, whether you're using, I, I think about like folks who use Howard Zinn's um, People's History of the United States and just some yeah. other texts that that give a more complete picture. Um, oh gosh, the other names of some of those texts escape me at the moment, but it is about intentional planning and intentional choices. Yeah. Um, that said, you asked, what am I doing differently this year than I've done in the past? And so at, uh, one of the things um, that I've been intentional about, so in an international context, context, full disclosure, it's even in an American school internationally, one of the things I've discovered is that oftentimes those things that you kind of take for granted in U.S. schools around like certain types of holidays and stuff um, don't get talked about as explicitly. And, and part yeah. of that has to do with just the fact that it's an international community and, and folks don't always know how to talk about those things. And, and like you said, there's this constant negotiation of like what event's important? How do we make sure we're validating all the people in front of us, even if they're not um, American, you know, or mm-hmm. passport holders, American passport holders, I would say, um, how would you validate them when you have like a really diverse racial group of of students and cultural backgrounds and so on, right? And so how do you do that? And then particularly um, if you're in a school where there's not necessarily a high black population, right? And so we've talked before that a lot of white folks, and I think other that might be expanded, I I won't tell how other people feel, but I think it also might be expanded in the sense that um, people just don't know how how to talk about it, right? Even if they want to, there's that fear, there's that nervousness, there's, you know, you don't want to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So I think often people People don't do anything rather than like consulting the resources that are available or partnering with people who can help shape those things. And so one of the things that we um, started doing a couple of weeks ago is just got a group of students and staff together to um, some of our student leaders 
um, in a Google meet, don't worry, not in person, um, <laughs> to, we got them together and, and started talking about, well, what does that look like for us? And what does it mean for an international school to celebrate, to intentionally celebrate and design activities through Black History Month um, that are actually authentic, um, reflect student interest, need, et cetera. And so we, we created this calendar of events and we created some themes around um, each week in February. And so our first week, the focus has really been, you know, what is Black History Month? and why is it celebrated or why do we celebrate it around the world? Why does it need to be celebrated? And so that's been the theme for the first month and then, or the first week. And then the second week, our focus is like, um, who in the past, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact question, but it's along the lines of like, who uh, in our past can we celebrate? How do we celebrate black excellence um, and contributions in the world and in our, in history. And then the third week is, is taking that to a more global sense. So like not just um, African-Americans, but thinking about the black diaspora into a larger um, population. And so kind of, and then the, the last week we're gonna focus on the idea of, of the future. What does that mean for, for our future? And what does it mean for how we live our lives and the, and the things that we do? And so that's been our framing. Um, the students ask, our student leaders ask that if teachers could start building in more intentional curriculum in their classes where they talk about African-American and black artists, scientists, et cetera. I keep saying the list, but that's because I I keep thinking about their ask for that. Mm -hmm. And then our um, advocacy, um, we have an advocacy class. So they created some work for students, like a format for students to be able to do some of that research to then help teachers. Because part of it, right, is sometimes teachers don't have the capacity to go out and find something. And so there's this partnership we're we're trying to develop where essentially, you know, a student might become an expert on a particular person and less less of a person that's in the spotlight, right? The kids Mm -hmm. were very adamant. They're like, stop talking about the same four people that we all know. Like we want, we want to learn more than that. And it, it does us a disservice and it's a disservice to the community as well. So um, yeah, so the students are doing some work around that and then they are sending that to teachers. And then the teachers also are encouraged to do their own work within that for their curriculum. And then also to partner with the students. So if I have a kid in my class who has done some research on a particular writer, I might ask that kid to share at a particular time in my class um, during the week. And so there's that piece that's been there. Our SUCO, our student council, which is basically ASB, um, will be hosting some Netflix parties that are related to different movies that are important. Um, and so back to Hidden Figures. No, uh, Hidden Figures <laughs> not on Netflix. I'm so, we're so mad because um, that's a great, great film. It's really good it for is. discussion. It is very good. Um, but yeah, definitely 13th is on the list. And uh, I forget, we had students do a survey. So I can't remember what the other film that was voted on um, that was there, but you know, just these different kinds of things. And then again, facilitated conversations. So yeah. we'll see who, we'll see who comes. We'll see who shows up for the conversation afterwards. Um, you know, these different pieces. And then we have a human rights club that usually is, um, has just tons of initiatives that they do throughout the year. And, and they're quite fantastic. Um, and they are doing a weekly newsletter. And so they're doing a newsletter that's highlighting different things that happen during the week of the school, but then also they're focusing on other things that students might not be uh, be aware of related to our theme for the week. Um, and then I, uh, am part of a, a super, I'm an advisor for our, like a school newspaper that's online. Um, and so they wanted to do like a media dump and they had all these ideas that they're doing. I don't fully have it or it'll come out next week. So I'm not fully sure like what the final product's going to look mm-hmm. like, but it's just like all these different leaders, right. And all these different pieces, one of the things I was, sorry, that was a lot kind of at you, but those are, those are the things like right now, this year that we're like trying to sort out, like we're in the middle that's of right it. now. Oh my gosh. Um, that's like, it. My gosh, yeah. do more. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> gosh, so lazy. 
I know we're such bums. So, but I, oh I was, cu- I was curious about, um, like, what does it mean for doing these kinds, having these conversations, facilitating this, these kinds of activities in the midst of a pandemic, right. Or for many of us, quarantine teaching, teaching from home. Yeah. And I don't know, let's see where our time is, but I, I don't know if, um, if you can speak to that at all in terms of, are these the kinds of things since we're, since so many of us are in survival mode, are these the types of things that get thrown out, mm-hmm. should be thrown out, or is it something that's actually more important than whatever standard we're trying to teach you in that given moment? What a fantastic question. I actually think that's a really great place for us to take a break. And then when we come back, we will tackle Corin teaching during Black History Month. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. It's no secret that Tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now. And whenever I have a question about what's happening, I take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie, Marguerite Martin. I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. After 16 years helping Tacomans buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime. The agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite, for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. And we're back. Wait, is that? Well, do you have an answer for me for my <laughs> profound question that I threw at you at the last minute? Oh my gosh, I have all of the answers. No, I don't. Um, I think that it's such a great question about how does virtual learning, the corn teaching, um, impact how teachers are going to tackle Black History Month? And I think what I can say is that capacity is very low right now with teachers and students. Yep. I think that the American school system set students up to fail in the way that they set up virtual learning. And I I hear everything about your school and what your school is doing and the, the powerful intentionality behind the virtual learning schedule for your your students and for teachers um, just creates more capacity to do things like what you just discussed. Right. That's not necessarily what happened in the United States. I think that much of the decisions that have happened behind virtual teaching have been on it. Listen, I was about to try and like (laughs) wax poetic about getting into the minds of the district and their decision making. And I can't even begin to. No, I, uh, (laughs) I'll just bring back the shame bell because that's pretty much all you can do. I just, I, I know what they say to us as teachers I know what they told us, but I also know what it feels like and what in my gut I feel. And those are two different things. But because of all of that, I don't mean to make this conversation another like rail against the district from a teacher's perspective, but. 
they, people can go back and listen to that yes. episode. It was a great and episode. No, it's ongoing. It is ongoing. We are literally two days before the start of the semester. It is Saturday morning and we still apparently are being told the union is negotiating with the district about schedule. So who knows? Are you still not starting in person on the 8th, but kind of starting in person on the 8th? Um, as of right now, it's all messaging has been that we are starting the schedule this new schedule on the 8th that is like it's hybrid schedule but not hybrid still 100% virtual but the union is also in negotiations with the district because the district acted real shady we could do a follow-up episode because it's a um and we'll add a blurb to our show notes on this so so y'all can get the update of the update of the Um, as it unfolds it appears as though the district potentially lied to the union about procedures and things that happened that didn't take place (gasps) I'm so shocked. Hope is clutching I'm her a pearls. She is clutching her pearls. Um, who would have thought? So all of that to say, I I really question the capacity teachers have to incorporate Black History Month lessons and like real intentionality behind that. Um, in their lessons. And it also is falling at the beginning of a semester, right? And so who knows if we have a brand new schedule and our students are trying to just survive, I, I, I think that that is going to greatly impact the potential powerful impact of, of this month and what this month could be. And I think that that's really unfortunate. I think that it has to, it will have to be even more intentional than ever before if teachers mm-hmm. are incorporating this, right? And and trying new things. So I, I think that that's something. I know I have every intention of incorporating um, this into my February, right? I think that another wonderful quote from Garrison Hayes Um the guy I mentioned earlier is that anti-racism is only as powerful as the history that informs it. And so as a social studies teacher, I think that that provides such cool opportunities for me to teach parts of our history that aren't taught in regular mainstream curriculum. So I intend to do that in the, like the government context, but also what I'm finding is that, and I don't know if you're finding this, but with TikTok and with this movement and what you said about students becoming the experts, like my students know so much more about the untold black history than ever before. I have had several students um, mention black wall street to me and the, the massacre Mm -hmm. that took place there this year. I've never heard a student reference that historical event before this year. Yeah. Um, And so I really want to encourage teachers that if you're not already planning on doing it, you should do it because the student, your students are already there. Like Mm -hmm. be a part, you need to be a part of the conversation with them because they're having, they're having the learning. The learning is taking place on these platforms. You want to make sure that they have the opportunity to, to one, make sure that it's correct information, right? That it's informative information. And two, that they have a safe space to have that conversation and they have the safe space to process that information with each other and with you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the learning's happening, whether it's happening in your classroom or not. Ding, 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 ding. And I I think that's one of my biggest pushbacks and like from this year or this last year 
is just simply that, right? People are learning regardless or in spite of uh, poor teaching, in spite of COVID, in spite of this, in spite of that. Um, or is it despite, I don't know, English teacher, it's late in Abu Dhabi here and I am like choosing my words poorly. I never know. Um, <laughs> but I think because of that, right, um, we can't, we just can't, ah, how do I say it? We cannot, we cannot let this moment I guess, pass people by Mm -hmm. in a way because of everything that we're feeling and all all the things that are happening. Mm -hmm. So kids are learning. And so why not jump on board with them in the learning? Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Um, Like I have a colleague who I was talking to this week about, you know, what we're doing, our initiative. And he said, he's been doing some really cool stuff in his social studies class or econ class. I think he teaches. And he said, he just kind of like, it just kind of slipped out. That was like, we should be doing this all year long. And I was like, ding, 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 because I think that's it. Right. And so for those people that are earlier in their journey, you know, it might be your, you know, it's a big step for you to, you know, to take at this time of year, but also great. Right. And then keep going and then keep going and then keep going and then keep going. And so it becomes a natural part. And I, I think maybe that's my challenge to other teachers because at this time when it's, when we're so overwhelmed with so many different things and we, and in in many places we're set up to fail in our classes and our kids are Mm -hmm. set up to fail. Um, because of that, I still think that that's actually maybe one of the best reasons to take time to integrate this, these conversations in your class, because it Mm -hmm. actually would probably bring more life to you and to your students in terms of joy, in terms of realness, like you said, bringing what the kids already know and are already talking about. That's way more interesting. Let's be honest, than how to embed evidence in a piece of writing, like cool story, but also can you make it about then the thing that we're talking about, right? Why not use some articles that are relevant to this moment and have those conversations? Yes, get the skill, but it's, it's bigger than that, I guess, instead of just doing the same, same, because you've done it, you always do this thing in February and it has nothing to do with black history month or honoring, um, any person of color at at all, um, any time of the rest of the year. Right. Exactly. And I think in our show notes, we should, um, include a link to the episode that we, recorded previously about how to have these challenging conversations. Um, Because if you are somebody, if you are an educator that's listening right now and you are like, I'm ready, I want to have this conversation. I just don't know how. I think that that episode is a really great place to start because you can't allow your discomfort Back to the essential question, right? You cannot allow your, your discomfort with the topic to stop you from providing an opportunity to your students to think bigger and to mm-hmm. have their perspectives changed, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, and so, and also to, for you to place yourself firmly into the play, side of like an ally in this conversation. Yes. And, yes. Yeah. and that, that is also really powerful for your students to see and hear is that, um, that you are, on that journey, right? You as a human being, as a person outside of just as a teacher are engaging in this work as well. Like I had the end of the semester, I had a student who gave some feedback. I I get feedback from my students um, frequently. And I had a student say, I'm just so grateful that this is a safe space for us to talk about hard things. Mm -hmm. And, and like, that's it for me. Like that is, 
ultimately what my, I want my work as a teacher to boil down to is I want my classroom to be a safe place where we can talk about hard things and it doesn't need to be beautiful and pretty all the time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be like wrapped up in a perfect bow, but it needs to be a place where students feel like they can explore these really challenging things and these really Mm -hmm. hard feelings. But also I let, like, I also don't want to get buried, but also celebrate for me who teaches primarily students of color to celebrate their excellence and to see their excellence embedded into curriculum in a way that they've never seen in their Mm -hmm. K through 12 Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. Right. That. Yeah. And I will add, there's, there are a lot of curated sources online that will help you with this or resources. Yeah. You're not alone in this. And I think that's the other thing that maybe feels so overwhelming at this time and um, with COVID teaching and so on is it feels so overwhelming. You're like, I don't even have the capacity to like look up a thing or do a thing or try this extra. So much of that's already made, already designed Mm -hmm. by wonderful black people, black educators um, that that are, that's there for you to use to help you with this growth and with this process. So one resource that I recently found, thanks to Kat Peterson, who posted on Instagram, and then now I've been preaching everybody about it, is um, 28 Days of Black History. And it's a daily newsletter that pops up in your inbox. Um, you sign up for via email, and they focus on something that happened in um, Black history. And again, Black history is U.S. history. Um, and so it, it focuses on that, tells you some more details about something important that happened. Um, it's really interesting framing. There's links, there's other kinds of things you could, you could not, I'm not going to say easily, but you could take that article, print it off, use a thinking routine, have kids read it and have a conversation about it. Right. So, and they they also archive, there's an archive um, of all the other things that if like you missed them because you hadn't signed up earlier in the month. And so it's really, really fantastic. Um, And I find it extremely helpful for just thinking, teaching me things that I didn't really know before, um, or I had forgotten about. I have a number of colleagues who are like, oh, this is something that's new. So there's resources like that. Um, Teaching Tolerance, which actually just got rechanged. They have a new uh, name now, Learning for Just which I absolutely love the new branding. Yeah. Um, they have a ton of Black History Month resources, why we need to teach Black History Month, especially this year. And so back to your point at the top of this, Megan, mm-hmm. like especially in a year where we've seen people facing racism and the and trying to embrace anti-racism in a way that hasn't happened in the U.S., like, where are you at, folks? You cannot just say you did that back in April and May and June and July, and then and then what happened? Yeah. So I think there's a bit of a charge that we're left with um, here. I mean, <clears throat> talk about a lightning moment um, in, in history with everything that took place in 2020. Like, what a moment for us to completely restart and do it different moving forward. And I love the resources that you just highlighted. We'll link another article, Five Ways White Allies Can Celebrate Black History Month All Year Long. I think that also if you are feeling overwhelmed this year, virtually teaching, and you're like, I just, I cannot change everything. I can't do this big monumental thing this year. Like, I validate that. I validate that. I also think that there are ways for you to incorporate it into your teaching that isn't going to feel super overwhelming and that <clears throat> that thinking about it as this is what your students need, right? Yes. Like in this moment, your students need this 
And so I, I, I would challenge you to maybe let go of something else that you feel like you can't let go of in order to incorporate this. And then also take this month as and, and set aside some really intentional time for yourself to reflect and plan for the future, right? So maybe it's not going to be the most amazing thing this year. Maybe maybe it's like you're going to do it, but it's not going to feel like it super fits and it feels a little clunky this year. Remember, it'll get better as you move forward. Yeah. Yeah. But also taking this year to really intentionally plan it into your year-long curriculum for next year. Yeah. Like maybe that's your intentionality this this black history month as an educator it is sitting down and and being really intentional about incorporating this how are you going to change what you do moving forward all year long mm-hmm. yeah well we have march around the corner which is women's month right so mm-hmm. if you're you, you can continue that in, in the into you can continue into March by focusing on black women. Yeah. Right? There's, there's a ton of stuff that you can do in terms of that to keep it ongoing, to keep it um, not feeling like fake or forced yeah. in this moment. And, and I will say also reach out to your allies, reach out to other people that you know are doing this stuff. Like you, you're not alone. You don't have to do it by yourself. Like folks know my email and know how to get a hold of me. I'm happy to send you like my journal prompts that I'm using yeah. with students to write in class every couple of days. Like I'm happy to send any of that stuff. It's not profound, but it's a, it's, something that is I put together or my co-teacher and I put together and we are using it with our kids and kids are having interesting conversations. They, they want to talk about the stuff oh, way absolutely. more than they want to talk about anything else. Like, and in <laughs> year, I don't know how to, how to compel you this. Yes. Like and, they just do. And in a year where it is so hard to get students excited and engaged in learning, this to is, show up this to class is, even yeah, for some to people. show up. This is the year to let yeah. go of some of that other stuff 100%. and fully embrace this. Like this yeah. is the year. I know it feels overwhelming potentially to do this virtually, but also to provide, there is a level of beauty of like, there is more space for them to reflect individually virtually, right? If you're using Nearpod, which... <laughs> You should be. You should get paid. Nearpod should be our sponsor. I know. Nearpod should absolutely sponsor (laughs) us. I, the, the amount that I talk about Nearpod and like talk Mm -hmm. it up and like, it is like legitimately the best teaching tool I have found. It will, I will use it in person. Even when we go back to in person, all of my lessons will be built into Nearpod. Anyways, that's not the point of this statement. (laughs) But it has, there are such opportunities for you as a teacher to provide space for students to reflect on these topics and you can read what they're thinking individually, right? So like, um, I, I just, it's, I have found it to be so enlightening to teach virtually and teach these these topics that I have taught previously, but to have insight into all of my students' minds rather than just the couple that want to speak out about it, mm. right? And mm-hmm. and so I have found that in some ways the conversations have reached more depth because then I can call on students and ask them to share out yep. what they wrote, which makes them feel more confident because they're like, oh, Ms. Holyoke has seen what I said. It must yeah. be valid. Yeah. It must be worthy yeah. of sharing if I'm being called. Mm-hmm. Anyways, just something to yeah. think about. I love it. Well, um, if you're not convinced yet, 
don't worry, we've got a few more minutes to convince you um, in our next segment or two. Uh, so let's go to our next one. Are you ready to move to yeah. champagne and real pain? Champagne and real pain. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. Okay, I feel like maybe we should start with the real pain first and then go to the champagne unlike we normally do. Uh, because first of all, Black History Month events where there's no black teachers or students involved, consulted. I mean, I'm thinking particularly in, in the United States, like public schools, you all have some resources and access points. Like you're telling me you don't even have a black friend to like go talk to and have a consultation with, buy them coffee, take them to dinner, whatever, right? Like pay people for their pay labor. Them. Pay them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pay them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't. What? What? Like you can't. And then also kind of like in that same vein, though, it's going to sound hypocritical, but I also think real pain um, and shame for those folks who are like going to the same one person that they know. They're like, oh, I know Erin Jones. I'm just going to message her 9,000 times. Like, y'all, she's busy. She's she's in lots of places doing amazing work and she's, she's phenomenal. And also there are other folks you can reach out to. Again, maybe you need to expand your circles. Um, and so actually part of what we'll do today is in our show notes, we'll link to a lot of folks, um, black educators on Twitter that you can, you should follow. It doesn't mean that you're going to pester them, um, and set resources from them, but like follow them, learn from them. And so expand your, um, your field, right? Expand the people that you know, and are connected with and are learning from. So, uh, in that same thing, uh, I was also thinking, <laughs> I was reading a lot of, um, Shana White this week, but she also said she had this really funny tweet that I was just like, this is exactly what I've been trying to say all year long. Um, all their reimagining of education talk or ideas from back in March a year ago. Uh, but mostly we continue to maintain the status quo virtually. Yes. And I guess that's what Megan and I are saying today. Don't maintain the status quo. Yes, absolutely. Try not to. Like if ever there is a moment in history that has provided us an opportunity to change everything that we do, this is it. (laughs) Like, Yeah. This is the moment. Yeah. Um, So I just threw like 9 million real pains out there, but I'm sure you've got a, you got a couple others to throw in there. Oh my gosh. Um, Not as like beautiful and powerful as yours I just am still just railing against the I've I've now said that twice this episode I've I don't think I've ever said that phrase before but just like railing against the district and honestly the union I'm still I still got some beef with the union but the district and I the schedule and making decisions about teachers and students lives that are nonsensical and um, that absolutely lack any leadership or integrity is very frustrating. So yeah. I, I like real pain there. Um, absolutely. That I, I just, that's taking up just so much of my anger. Um, the, and honestly, the inequity, it just makes me think like mm. we are talking all about anti-racism and, you know, dismantling systemic racism and, yeah equity. And it's like, this is it. These are the, these are the moments in, in our systems where we have the opportunity to choose anti-racism and to choose equity. And, and when it's too hard and when it's too challenging, like you said, we go to the status quo and it's just decisions are made as they always have been made. And we like 
there is no questioning whether this schedule is not equitable. I created a survey that went out to teachers. I got like, we got those results back and almost every teacher strongly agreed that the, this schedule is not equitable that this schedule harms families of color, this schedule harms low-income families, this schedule harms EL families, that it is mind-boggling. Anyways, I just, that's my real pain. (laughs) It's a lot of real pain. So that's why we flipped it though. Um, So champagne, who do you want to raise a glass to or a thing that you um, are excited about doing the work? Hmm. That's a good question. There's a lot. I mean, I, I'm not hesitating because I can't think of any. There's a lot. <laughs> um, She's like, I don't know anybody who deserves champagne. I don't know anybody. I think, honestly, champagne to all um, all Black educators right now that are um, that are putting out work and putting out resources that you mentioned above for their white educators to hopefully use because this year has for a black educator it is the trauma of virtual teaching and the trauma trauma of covid but also on top of that all of the trauma that was wrapped up in the trump administration coming Mm -hmm. to a head all of the trauma of the black lives matter protests and um with george floyd's death and brianna taylor's death and the trauma of this kind of reckoning that the country is going through, right? It's just the compounded, the intersectionality of trauma for black educators. Um, And then on top of that, to put out resources for other teachers, educators to use is I think like amazing and um, just a huge champagne toast to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I also want to raise a glass to somebody I follow on Twitter and I can't, I don't know how I started following her. Um, Jessica Kirkland at J Kirk underscore. She is a ninth, 10th grade English teacher in Virginia. Um, and she's a, a presenting white woman. Um, and her tweets and her calling out, um, like harmful things for students, the way she writes about what she's doing in her classroom. Like it it is so authentic and so inspiring and like straightforward. Like she doesn't pretend to be something that she's not. Um, And she's very, very open and transparent about the work that she's doing. And so I think about her and I think about other educators who who are continuing to press forward and try to do what's best for their students you know, getting their voice involved in things, adjusting their curriculum and, and all of you out there who are, who are doing that. And it's especially hard time. Um, so I just want to raise a glass again to all of you out there for that. All right. Final segment. Yeah, final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. Okay. So besides going and actually like looking at the things that we talked about in our show notes and the links that we just discussed, I actually have a really random thing that I also want to recommend. If you're looking for an uh, interesting movie, okay, I, I never thought I would say this, but Kevin Hart has a really um, great, I don't know. It's not a documentary. It's like I don't know how to describe it, but it's called Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History. And it's on Netflix and it's set up kind of fictionalized. His daughter is like talking about black history um, with a white kid. And essentially at the the opening, you know, they were watching something and it's all about slavery. And like, she's really mad at her white friend, her white friend, you know, it's like, it's all this dynamic. And he comes in and he's like, well, let's talk about 
what is black history? There's so many amazing things that are not slavery. And she's like, I don't know, you know? And so he, the whole thing is about him teaching. He opens up this giant book um, and him talking his daughter through um, all these amazing things. Like as, as you talked about at the very top of this, um, all the ways that black people have been amazing and contributed to this country um, all across the board. And it's a really, it's really well done and it's really thoughtful. And even like the opening starts talking about Frederick Douglass. And there's some things about Frederick Douglass. I didn't know that he, he was talking about, and I'm like, well, how did, how did I not, how I missed this somewhere. And so it's a lot of the unsung heroes. And so I, I really recommend checking that out. Awesome. Um, so I want to encourage everybody to go follow Garrison Hayes. I have mentioned him a sev- like several times in this episode. Um, so he has an Instagram. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes, but his TikTok is even better. He just creates really amazing, easily digestible content that really highlights everything that we talked about in this episode, right? It's, it's, um, decentering white comfort when talking about black history and, um, moving away from a, like the whitewashed, um, retelling of black history. So he's, he's just fantastic. I just, I think that he's doing really amazing things. He really, he's, his focus is on reading and literature. He has a really amazing, um, book lists, like recommendations for books that you can read. So he has like homework on his, um, in his content creation that I think is a really great place to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening and thanks Megan for making the time to chat today. Yeah, of course. And good luck with the weeks ahead. You too. Bye. Bye. Did you know channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. At the top, you were like, intro it, and I was like, people, black people, some people of color, but they're black. I I didn't even know what you were talking about just now. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.